Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. I'm Marco. And I'm Des. And before we start with anything else, we want to give you a huge thank you. We've reached 2,000 listens, over 2,000 listens, and we're super, super grateful for all of you listening to us. It's really caught us by surprise because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago where we hit the 1,000 milestone, and we've doubled that in the space of a couple of weeks. So we think it's good, but we have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, please give us some feedback. Let's move on to our beers. What are you drinking, Daz? I've picked another IPA, and this one is from the northeast of England. The story is quite interesting. It's officially under the brand of Tooth and Claw. But the unique thing about this is that it's actually a cooperative made from employees of Cameron's Brewery. And for those who don't know, Cameron's Brewery is the northeast of England's biggest independent brewery. The brewery itself is like a big corporation, so to speak. It has pubs under its belt and several brands, and it brews beer for like Foster's and Cronenberg in the UK. Okay. But the employees make their own beer on the side. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's quite cool. I'm curious to see what it's like. It's uh, very eccentric, and I'll go into a little bit more detail a bit later. Uh, How about you? Like last week, I decided to stay in Belgium. And this time I picked a triple blonde, so you can expect me to be incredibly drunk by the end of this. And it's called Triple Lefort from the Brasserie Lefort in Belgium. Let's get this show started. Yeah, cheers. Oh, wow, this is strong. So, like usual, let's get started with the news. No, Marco. Apologies. Oh, do you have one? No. We've got nothing to apologize in two episodes. Wow. Okay. Does that mean we're doing something right? I've got a sense of impending doom. (laughs) It's like the quiet before the storm. When we'll get like a season desist from someone. (laughs) (laughs) Demonetization, even though we're not making any money. Yeah. The news. I didn't know about this, but there's a cartoon. I don't know which channel it's on. I don't know anything about it, but it's about Harley Quinn, the Batman supervillain, if you want to call her that. It's made by some cartoon studio. I did not do any background research on this. But this cartoon was in the news recently because apparently DC had to step in and stop a certain scene from being produced or aired. Turns out this is an adult cartoon, as in it covers adult themes, there's violence, there's blood, and so on. But the studio wanted to have Batman, how do you say hook up with uh, Catwoman. I think the term is go down. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So so Batman and Catwoman, they hook up and they do so also in the comics. Like I think in one of the recent ones, they actually have a relationship. Nevertheless, in this cartoon, there was meant to be a scene where Batman goes down on Catwoman. Was it on Catwoman or was it on Harley Quinn? No, on Catwoman. Okay. And one of the producers and creators of this cartoon basically went public saying that DC did not allow that to happen because heroes don't do that. Oh my, oh my. (laughs) Which is just such a dumb thing to say in 2021. I don't know, man. I'll be honest. I've got nothing against 
what Batman does in his private life. Whether that needs to be alluded to on screen or graphically shown is a different question altogether. But with all of these franchises, they're always on that tightrope between making it adult, but making it marketable. And they're trying to sell Batman toys. And that's exactly what DC was saying. They said that they sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. I don't know. I find it so silly and so... Well, never mind. Can you imagine the action figures? (laughs) (laughs) Oral sex Batman. (laughs) With new going down action. (laughs) And you push a button in the back and he kind of like bends over. But let's move on. Okay. As you were talking about comics and animation, I had given a type recommendation for Jupiter's Legacy which was being transformed into a Netflix TV series. I was hyped about it. I watched it and the hype has dissipated into nothingness. Oh, is that bad? I honestly could not get past the first episode. It just felt more cliched than the actual comic book was. I just couldn't get past the first episode. I hear other people had similar reactions, but there is a significant number of people who thought it was really good as well. Regardless... Netflix is not revealing its viewership numbers for this particular show. And the director has already confirmed. So not the director, actually. I think the the actual writer of the comic, Mark Miller, he has confirmed that season two is cancelled. All the quite big named actors, whose name I can't remember, they've all been released from their obligations and their contractual obligations. So essentially it's been cancelled. Make of that information what you will. Oh, all right. Moving on. Do you know the super popular, apparently, app Clubhouse? I've heard of it, but I don't understand why it's popular. Yeah, it's terrible, if you ask me. But some people are really into it. The concept at its core is you get to join these chat rooms and you speak. Like, you don't type. You talk live with other people and you have some people who are speakers and some people who are just listeners. You can listen to basically any topic. I personally don't like it because I don't like talking to people. It's like a chat room, like from way back when, but speaking. That sounds like a podcast with extra steps. That sounds like a live podcast, except there's more people and everybody can sort of interact. Maybe we should be on Clubhouse. Maybe we should. I think it just released on Android. I'm already on it. It's also super exclusive. You can only join by invitation. I'll invite you, of course, but I don't know if there's an app for Android. Never mind. That's not the point. If you remember the first time we had Jay on the show to talk about Real You, he was mentioning that there's a big push for authenticity. Authenticity is now at the core of where we are in in social media. That's why we have apps like Real You, of course. But also he did mention Clubhouse, which is basically you get to talk live. So you can't edit or you can't do all this editing magic that we do on this podcast. Unfiltered. Unfiltered, unplugged. (laughs) Especially in a situation where we're all sitting at home doing nothing for over a year. It became very popular because people would just spend their time there just chatting with others about various topics. And you have various let's say rooms, I think they're called, where every room has a theme, or you could start your own and just talk with your friends, whatever. But other companies have noticed. So this week, there have been a couple of announcements. First of all, Spotify wanted in, so they created their own. It's called Green Room, and it's basically a clone. And then Facebook did the same. I think it's called Facebook Live Audio Rooms. 
So they've noticed what Clubhouse is doing and they're joining the market. It's not a secret, but we use Anchor to host our podcast and distribute it. Anchor is owned by Spotify and I've noticed that there's now the feature for us to upload our green rooms directly onto Anchor because of this whole integration ecosystem. Really? Yeah. But again, I don't know if there's an audience for it. I even don't know if there's an appetite for it. And maybe when people listen to us unfiltered, unplugged, and unedited, they won't listen to us anymore. (laughs) They will hate us. (laughs) The truth will come out that we are disgusting human beings. Let me ask you this. How is Clubhouse going to react? I have no idea. Messaging. (laughs) Because that's what we needed. Another messaging app. Their chat feature was leaked this week. Looks like in the roadmap, they have messaging. And it's funny because this week on The Verge, so this uh, tech website, where basically we get all of our news, they did a nice little retrospective of all of Google's failed messaging apps. And it's a blast. Well, essentially all of them. Yeah, but I didn't know there were so many. Like, I couldn't remember there were so many. Look, so for email, they have Gmail. For messaging, they have Google Talk, Google Plus Huddle, Google Hangouts, Google Allo, Google Chat, plus a bunch of others. For video conferencing, they have Google Talk, Google Voice, Google Plus Hangouts, Google Duo, Google Meet. It's just never ending. It's hilarious. We'll link it to to the notes of the episode so you can go read it. We've made fun of Google for it in in past episodes. Having it there in one article, it's hilarious. And I would take this opportunity to remind people of the Google Cemetery. If you just Google Google Cemetery, there's a website which has a little gravestone or tombstone for every single product which Google has shuttered. And it's a lot. Actually, it's called Killed by Google. And then like the last piece of news, and then I want to do a little bit of a rant. I want to share something curious that happened to me. There's a new video game coming out, and I think the public beta is out or something like that. It's going to be available for iOS, and it's called Myth Gods of Asgard. Do you know about it? No. Okay, so picture this. It's a game where you are a Norse god. You go through this dungeon. You kill creatures. It's a roguelike game, so you keep dying and dying and dying. You progress a story. You encounter other Norse gods that aid you. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) It sounds like Hades in the Norse universe. It is exactly like Hades. We're going to link the the trailer in the notes. I am absolutely shocked. It's exactly the same. Someone should have been even smarter and copied Hades, but with Roman mythology. So it's exactly the same. Instead of Zeus, it's Jupiter, and just make exactly the same game. But I am shocked that people can do this. It's exactly the same. Unfortunately, ideas are really hard to patent. Hades were the first. They did it really well. And let's be honest, like they weren't the first people to make a game set in Greek mythology. Nor is this game the first one set in Norse mythology. No, of course. It's kind of like when Flappy Bird came out and immediately after there were a trillion clones. But this one, you need to see. It is such a copy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a cheap shot. And I think they're probably banking on the fact that some people will get confused and some Hades fans will be like, I want to play Hades with Norse mythology. But it's a very cheap shot. Yeah, and the, the fact that Hades is not available on iOS. I'm intrigued. I will check out the video. Moving on. In other episodes, we talk about privacy and how it's becoming more and more important to us consumers. And 
how, for example, companies like Apple are making a big push to give us back some control over it. So the latest version of iOS allows you to prohibit apps from tracking you across your other apps. And one company that really, really is trying to fight this is Facebook because they live off of advertising revenue and their selling point to advertisers is the fact that they can present to them a super accurate profile of you. You know that my Galaxy Note was incapacitated was incapacitated therefore i've been using the iphone again for a few weeks i started noticing something so uh, you know when the prompt comes up of ask apps not to track i always click that essentially my facebook apps so whatsapp and instagram were not tracking me across other apps and with time i started noticing something weird and this is a feeling i i, I don't know I started noticing that the, the amount of ads started going up. I was getting a lot more ads. And one thing that I noticed was that the ads themselves were very shady, spammy kind of ads. Okay. As in, click here to make 7,000 euro kind of ad, ads. Weird. Yeah. And the thing is, usually the conversation that you have with people is, wow, how did Instagram know that I was talking about getting brunch? You know, something like that. We were talking about Nike trainers and the ads for Nike trainers popped up on my phone. Exactly. The discussions I have with people is usually about how spot on ads are and how weird borderline creepy it is that the ads are so well tailored to you or so well tailored to even conversations you're having you know that kind of stuff and all of a sudden i started getting these ads that have absolutely nothing to do with what i do what i search what i like anything and not only that but they look like the classic you know the the shady website ads where click here to to make money i started getting those ads I just could not understand why. You know, I would spend a lot of time reporting them as spam and nothing really changed. Until I went back to the Android phone. And now I'm starting to get, let's say, normal ads or ads that are tailored to me. Okay. Because Android does track me across other apps. So you reckon... My theory is if you tell Instagram not to track you, they will send you spammy ads on purpose. That's my theory. But that's counterintuitive. You're going to make people stop using your service if that's what you do. Or you're going to start letting them track you because you don't want to see spammy ads. You want to see actual ads. Actually, you don't want to see ads. But they're going to have to admit that that's what they're doing. I think they did say something along the lines of, you know, we track you to give you the best possible experience. And so I think they're trying to approach this the other way, as in, you don't let us? All right, we'll make this experience terrible for you. I see what you mean. So they're saying that they are respecting your privacy by protecting you from the terrible ads. No, privacy has nothing to do with it. Like, we are giving you a better experience by giving you ads for things you're actually interested in. Not this stupid spammy garbage. That's my theory. It's not... Or at least that's what I've noticed going from the iPhone back to the to the Android phone. If this turns out to be true, you heard it here first. If it turns out to be a nut job conspiracy theory, it's all Marco's idea. Yeah, if it's a <laughs> nut job conspiracy theory, tin hat kind of thing. Remember, we fact check nothing and we have an apology segment and we haven't apologized for anything in a while. So that's 
that's my little rant segment after last week's KFC one. But it's something I'm curious to hear from from our listeners. If you guys have an iPhone and you asked Instagram not to track you, let me know what kind of ads you're getting, because I'm curious to hear this. I'm noticing patterns here. Our show is evolving. Along with the usual segments which we planned for, we now have an apology section and we have a Marco Rants section. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your segment. The next evolution. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And lastly, this week, or the week that we are recording in, you might listen to this later, is our favorite holiday of all. It's Prime Day. (laughs) So, Des, what did you get? Did you get anything? The listeners will not notice, but we had to interrupt the recording of this episode because Mr. Prime Man came ringing my doorbell. (laughs) I don't know how well I'm going to edit out the doorbell sound. Hopefully you won't hear it. But I bought several things. My fellow Italians and maybe Europeans will recognize this very big, bright orange bottle. It's Aperol. Yeah, I bought myself a liter bottle of Aperol to make myself Aperol (laughs) spritz for the one week of summer we get in Scotland. (laughs) Keep it classy, Des. I got more, though. Talking about privacy, I was going to get Amazon's owned security cameras for the home. I think they bought a company called Blink. It was very appealing and I was very interested in it, especially because they don't require you to subscribe to a cloud service like Ring does. Okay. And I think they were hacked, weren't they? The what now? Ring was either hacked or some stuff got leaked or whatever. But go on, sorry. So I went with a different brand, which allows me to record locally. And what put me off the Amazon one was that it doesn't do sound detection, only motion detection. So my house could blow up, but if the camera doesn't hear it, it won't record. Okay. Because you live in space and explosions are silent? Okay, so use it in space. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but explosions are usually loud. Anyway, I bought a couple (laughs) of things at what seems to be a good price. I use a website called Camel Camel Camel, which shows you the lowest price ever for things on Amazon. It's like a price tracker website. Amazon is pretty bad at, uh, you know, putting the price up and then giving a pseudo reduction for Prime Day. Yeah. You do get good deals on Prime Day and Black Friday, but sometimes you're not getting as good a deal as you think. Okay. All right. How about you, Marco? It's funny because I was talking to my partner yesterday about how it's prime day and i always get overly excited about it and then every time i just look at offers and let's face it most of it is garbage so i never buy anything but i always get her to buy tons of stuff (laughs) so so she recently bought uh, an apartment and so she's buying a bunch of stuff so i got her to buy we we got an air fryer so (laughs) i am hoping to completely overhaul the way i eat Oh, that's hilarious. Look forward to seeing me gain a ton of weight over the next uh, few months. I only gained 10 kilos, but it could have been 20 if it wasn't for my air fryer. Exactly. If I had deep fried it, it would have been worse. Yeah. So I'm basically going to have fries every day right now. But I do have a moral dilemma. And you know about it because we've been texting about it. Last week, we talked about having good headphones and the value of it and the value of using them with proper high quality audio. They do have the Bose 700, so their latest noise cancelling ones, which are already a couple of years old. 
but they're still very good and they're pretty heavily discounted. They are at lowest price ever. I absolutely do not need them, but I'm super tempted at the same time. So I still have a few more hours to decide. Tune in next week to find out if Marco bought his new headphones or not. Yeah. Oh, and talking about tuning in, Marco, just to move on the conversation here. We made a lot of predictions about Nintendo's event and the events we didn't see at E3. And now this week we can actually confirm or deny how accurate we were. Yes. And oh my God, did Nintendo show up? I was in awe for most of the presentation. I think I was texting you every two seconds about it because you were actually having a life and doing something. (laughs) And I was just in front of the TV watching it. It was amazing. In my view, Nintendo totally won E3, even though Microsoft showed up big time. I don't even know where to start. Should we start like Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever it's going to be called? I think Nintendo officially calls it the sequel to Breath of the Wild. They didn't show much. It was just a little trailer. 2022 release date. So now we know the year. So it could be six months from now. It could be a year and six months from now. It did show off a couple of things like the levels seem to be flying like the castle yeah is flying that's and- not a little thing so breath of the wild is obviously set on a plane plane as in field it's on set set on planet earth actually planet okay i'm gonna cut this out hyrule <laughs> yes so breath of the wild is set in hyrule but the sequel is going to bring link which is the main character to the sky so you're going to be able to fly not superman style but basically the game is being i think it's going to be like a two-tier system you're going to have things in the sky and things on the land yeah that's what it seemed like and there is this one part of the trailer where link goes through the floor of one of these flying platforms so maybe it's uh, a new power that he has on top of the you know, he had the bombs, the magnet, and the one that kind of stops time. Yeah. Quick question. I was under the impression, and I could be wrong, that the sequel is actually a prequel. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I remember thinking this is really cool because we kind of know what happens in the sense that Link ultimately loses. Yeah, the calamity. The calamity, exactly. So that's really interesting. And it looks like it's going to be an epic battle of sorts. Yeah. I'm sold knowing how good Breath of the Wild was. And I suspect the delays, because it's using the same engine, so they're not developing anything new there. I suspect the delays are Nintendo polishing the whole experience. Yeah, exactly. Doing their classic Nintendo thing. Then another one that I that just like came out of nowhere, and we kind of talked about it, I think, in one of our first episodes, either possibly one of the first two. Advance Wars 1 and 2 is coming out. The reboot camp, they call it. So it's a reimagining or remake of the Game Boy Advance games. So Advance Wars 1 and 2. And you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan. And that was the news which got me most intrigued. You said it's a remake. That is entirely correct. It's been rebuilt from the ground up. The graphics engine, the way it processes all information, that's all brand new. Designed specifically for the Switch and, you know, modern times and modern programming. However, the storyline, the campaign, the maps, those are all translated from the previous old ones. I am a little bit concerned or apprehensive of the graphical changes that they have made. It's good that they've redesigned it from the ground up. However, the 
original, the one for the Game Boy Advance, one of its selling points was the wonderful pixel art that it have. It gave it both a sort yeah. of realistic, but at the same time, approachable look. Yeah, cartoony. But the new one, it almost looks like a toy. It looks very smooth services, 3D graphics. It almost looks like, you know, tilt shift, diorama kind of aesthetic. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's very polished, too polished. Whereas the original one, it was pixel art, but you had a bit of mud, you had a bit of dents and grit. This one is very polished, and it doesn't quite look as engaging, but maybe my eye just needs to get tuned in. And they did yeah. say that this isn't the final graphics, but the game is coming out. Yeah, and you know what the best thing about it is? When we talked about Advance Wars back, way back uh, episode in one of two. the first episodes, in episode two, um, also don't listen to episode two, we didn't have microphones, it was terrible. But you talked about this game that is a sort of homage to Advance Wars, which is called Wargroove. And in reaction to the announcement of the remake, Wargroove, so the independent studio that makes it, replied to it via Twitter saying how hyped they are and how Advance Wars is a huge inspiration for them and like how happy they are that the, the series is continuing. Which, I don't know, I find it really nice. I thought it was great. And they're obviously... Yeah fans of the series and people are saying that games such as wargroove convince nintendo that there is a market for this kind of game and i guess in terms of development it costs them less or it's less of a financial risk to create the graphical engine which they can then use for other projects if they want so it was a relatively safe bet yeah yeah but looking forward to that i'll be honest i had a ton of fun with the original advanced wars i never played the sequel to it i mean if it's priced right because a game boy advance game you're not gonna charge me 60 bucks for it or at least i'm not gonna pay 60 bucks for it but if it's priced right it's a must-have and marco i know what is going to be a must-have for you oh my god i think i'm gonna pre-order it i've never pre-ordered a game ever but i think i i have to now for our listeners, most normal people will talk about the passage of time in terms of anniversaries, like one year, two years, three years. <laughs> Marco calculates time by the number of Metroids which have passed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh like yeah, three Metroids, Metroids ago, I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So like we predicted last week, Nintendo announced a new Metroid game. It's going to be called Metroid Dread which apparently has been in development for years to the point that Nintendo was even dropping hints about it for the past, I don't know, 15 years. So it's not Metroid Prime 4, which Nintendo says is still in development, so good. But it's going to be another 2D platformer, and it takes the story forward. As in, the Metroid Prime series is kind of a spin-off, Timeline-wise, it happens between Metroid 1 and Metroid 2. And this is Metroid 5, essentially. So it yeah. comes after Fusion, which was a Game Boy game from the early 2000s, which is pretty good. You should, uh, you should play it. And it's made by the Spanish software house Mercury Steam, who also worked on Samus Returns in 2017, which I am currently playing through in preparation <laughs> uh, to, to, to this new Metroid. So I'll have a review about it hopefully soon. And it's cool because the series creator, so this guy called Yoshio Sakamoto, 
he had a vision for what Metroid Dread was supposed to be. He was never able to complete it due to technological limitations. It was meant to be on the DS, and the DS wasn't powerful enough to do what he was imagining. So it was kind of shelved and then brought back and then shelved and then brought back a few times. But Mercury's team, so they worked on Samus Return, which is a remake of Metroid 2. So the original Game Boy game. And they did such a good job that they were sort of rewarded by giving them this new Metroid. A new story and not a remake. Because they demonstrated that they understand the series and they understand what it's supposed to look like. The dread part of the game is that in this game, you're going to face enemies that you cannot beat and that they there are these robots, which they call Emmy, that are indestructible unless you get a special weapon, but whatever. And they chase you actively. One of the series staples is the fact that you start off with no powers. And as you go on, you keep powering up. And by the end of the game, you're basically a tank and nothing can beat you and you destroy everything in your path. Here, you get these enemies that you cannot defeat. You cannot just shoot. So that kind of adds to the feeling of being chased and the feeling of being the prey rather than the the hunter. Can I just say, I saw the the summary video after the event, which is available on YouTube and on Nintendo's own website. The game looks fantastic. It's a 2D platformer, but it's got like 3D elements in the graphics. It looks sharp. It looks really, really good. Yeah, it looks great for being a 2D platformer. I honestly cannot wait. It comes out in October. can't remember which day. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. We made some predictions. And one of them, which I was really quite intrigued about, turned out to be wrong. That's what we could have apologized for. No, because we said we said they were rumors. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, for those who didn't know, the president of Nintendo America, which no joke, his name is Doug Bowser. You can't make this I stuff know, up. That's hilarious. Best name ever. He has at least confronted this because there was a lot of hype around a potential Switch Pro or a refresh of the Nintendo Switch. Hasn't happened. He did say that there is something in the works but they're not going to make any announcements until the time is right. Oh, right. And he said something along the lines of, we're not going to do a Switch Pro for the sake of doing it. It needs to add to the fun or add to the experience. Yeah. But if it's just to join the race for which one is more powerful, then they're not going to do it. Doug Bowser, everyone. Doug Bowser. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. We definitely wanted to talk about a little bit, at least, about the Nintendo E3 conference. I would have loved for it to be live and see the reactions of fans. All right, and that brings us to the end. Des, how's your beer? My beer is actually pretty good. I've already mentioned that I do like IPAs, and this is no exception. It's a very good IPA. Yeah, I think it's like our 57th IPA between the two of us. I really like it. I don't know if it's a generational thing or whatever. It's pretty strong. It's 7%. It's brewed using two different kinds of hops, Nelson Sauvan and Vic Secret. I have no idea if they're good or bad hops, but there you go. They're in there. And it's very fruity, and it's got aromas and flavors of gooseberry, pineapple, and passion fruit. And you know what? I actually do taste like those fruity undertones. All right. Another selling point is that the art on the can is actually made by a uh, English street artist called Kev Monday, 
Monday with a U, not an O. And the cans look really sick, like really good. So it's a good beer. I would give this a four out of a six pack. Or what? Yes, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my triple blonde is, like you can imagine, it's actually pretty strong. So I would say it's more of a winter beer or not so much of a summer one. Like you don't take this to a picnic. You take this to sit on a chair and retreat in deep thought. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, it's actually pretty good. It is strong. You, You do feel the alcohol. But also there's like a hint of fruitiness and... Despite being strong, it's pretty smooth. So I really like it. I think I'm going to give it a high score. I'm going to say five out of a six pack. I think that's your second highest score, Marco. Really? Am I that harsh of a beer reviewer? You haven't given anything a six yet. No, I haven't. I'm still looking for the one. You're still looking for a blue moon. (laughs) Once in a blue moon, I can have. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and uh, on that note, this has been a hopefully relatively short episode where we have spoken about the... What did we speak about? Oh my god, we spoke about so much. So we talked about Clubhouse and how competitors are starting to pop up and how Clubhouse is choosing to react. I told you about my interesting Instagram experience and then we talked about our... Prime Day purchases and how we choose to celebrate Prime Day. But then we were fanboying hard on what Nintendo showed us at E3. I couldn't have said it better myself. Without further ado, even though you should say that at the beginning of an episode, not at the end, but I bow out and say thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening and 2,000 listens. We're super grateful. Thank you so much. Doug Bowser.